You're listening to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast, episode 64. Welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back comic review podcast. I'm Eric. I'm David. And we are the Fanboys Who Strike Back. Uh, every week we uh, pick up some comic books. Uh, we talk about the ones we like because uh, it's not as much fun to talk about the ones we don't like, although we'll bring some of those up too. Uh, we uh, are going to talk about some uh, general topics in the world of comics that are coming up soon that we have us excited uh, for new directions. And uh, we are going to talk about everything that happened in the comics that we discussed, so there will be spoilers, so you've been warned. Um, so with that, uh, we're going to just kick right off into some of uh, last week's comics that came out. And uh, I think we will start off just talking about one book that was just just so, so bad. Mm-hmm. That I, you know, I, I I'm not a huge X Men fan. David is, so I kind of want to get his input on it. But uh, Dark X Men: The Confession. And now, okay, here's a book with the Confession label on it. That you know, I'm the Civil War Confession was probably the best book out of Civil War. Yeah, and I I loved it. And so I was kind of hoping we get. I wasn't expecting it to be as good, but was hoping maybe in the ballpark. And there was just nothing good about for me anyway like the the story the way it was split like one page was scott one page was emma and it kept bouncing back and forth first of all it was just jarring for me but yeah. then it was so so melodramatic um <clears throat> yeah this was not good i mean we just talked about this last week how it seemed like there were these secrets going around and that stuff was going to be revealed and scott and emma were gonna t- were t- gonna talk but this was like just like you said, this was like over the top, just dramatic. I mean, and there was really no new information that was revealed. Basically, the stuff that's been going on in X Force and in Dark X Men with Emma and Scott, they just told each other some stuff. This could have honestly, this could have been a scene. This could have been like a page or a couple of panels. There's no reason that this needed to be an entire book. Yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing of it, like you said, was too revealing. Where you know, we know the actions that they've already taken with, you know, the formation of X-Force and, and joining the dark, uh, you know, the dark cabal. But, you know, now we're supposed to figure out their, re- their reasoning why. But even the reasoning wasn't that, uh, wasn't that sound. And what it was was that it, it ended up for me just being two people who, you know, care for each other a lot, being like, well, what you did really isn't that bad one. Exactly. Yeah, it's still, it still kind of is. <laughs> Well, and the thing about Scott and Emma, the reason, especially Emma, the reason why they work is that they're they're opposites. Like Scott is kind of the straight lace, you know, do gooder. Emma's kind of like you know the bad girl, and more so than Scott, I felt like Emma just came away totally out of character in this because she was just sobbing and blah 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 and whining and complaining when. Like we were talking about last week, when Emma Frost is the, is the woman who's going to do what she does, you know, for her, the mutant race, no matter what, she might feel somewhat bad about it. But this was just, just melodramatic was a perfect way to describe this issue. I was shocked. It was awful. Yeah. And like you said, I don't think she's going to be the one who starts breaking down and bawling over the decisions that she's made. 
or, you know, just feeling awful about him. But, you know, even even Scott Formia X-Force and stuff like that, you know, all talking up like, I don't know, I always felt like Scott's going to be the one who preserves the dream and the ideal. Right. But really, he's been, they've been putting him into the position of he's the one who's going to get his hands dirty now. Or, or not him, but he's going to tell other people to get their hands dirty, which doesn't really... I, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel in character from what I know of him. See, I don't I don't mind that too much because I I think that, um, and I think that Matt Fraction has talked about this in interviews, which makes sense. Is that with there's only being you know two hundred mutants left. Scott is in charge of this race of people, and I think what the whole idea is that like he has this burden of having to basically look after the lives of these people, whether they want to or not, and that he's he's going to make the hard decisions to do what he has to do. And I think, and I, I like that. I think that the stuff that he's doing is kind of out of his character, but in, in context of, like, the situation, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, well, and, and you, you'd know better than I would, but at the same time, I was just like, I was really disappointed with that book. I was just like, well, yeah, yeah. all right. It was not a good book. I don't even know. Which is which is surprising because um, Chris Ky- or Craig Kyle and Chris Yost they wrote it and they're some of my favorite favorite writers but it was just awful. It was a swing and a miss, you know. You can't they can't all be winners. So so um, although just proving that statement, uh, Superman Secret Origin number one came out this week and this is a book that's been teased in in the back of a lot of the other uh, DC books past month or so. And uh, this marks the return of Gary Frank on a Superman title. And, I mean, a lot of this is stuff that we've seen in a lot of other mediums before. But I think this book is worth the, cover- is worth the price alone just for the Gary Frank art. Yeah. I, I love him. I, th- I think he works particularly well on Superman because there's just something about his pencils that, I don't know, feel very, um, I don't know, very, very human. Oh, yeah. And I think... I think a book, you know, on a farm about, you know, Clark Kent, you know, I think that's a perfect setting for him. I think he'd work better here than on a lot of other books. But at the same time, um, th- this was just so good. I- everything about it. I love the interaction with uh, Lex Luthor. I love the uh, even stuff that I would have hated a-, a while back, like when I was younger, about the inclusion of the Superboy mythology. I was... I was totally fine after Crisis when they wiped the Superboy thing out of continuity, mm-hmm. and now now they're bringing it back, and I'm like, I'm okay with this. I want to see how it plays out. You know, it could be it could be fun. Yeah, you know, I um, what I really liked about this is because I was I was a little confused going into it first. Before I even bought it, I was like, why do we need a Superman secret origin story? And it just kind of made me think about when we went to the Seattle Con a couple of years ago. And there was a there's a guy who got up and asking a question about like he was so upset that Superman's origin was all messed up because of the crisis books and like he was he was like upset upset and I was like come on is the, does this really matter so <laughs> so reading it I was like we we know it doesn't matter if he came to Earth as a baby or if he was ten that doesn't really matter and that's what like this was kind of all about just like saying okay this is the actual origin. 
So picking this up, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm really going to care. I don't, the only reason I picked it up is because it was Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. That being said, I loved, loved, loved the little touches. Um, I loved how they gave Clark his glasses that was made out of, like, the Kryptonian ship because he couldn't control his heat vision, and the glasses were the only things that could, like, you know, his heat vision wouldn't go through them. And how his mother gets the idea for designing his costume because she saw some holograms from the ship. I I just think that bringing that all together, it's, it's the little things that count. Like, the fact that Clark hates his glasses makes perfect sense, because he looks like an idiot. Yeah, it's true. So I mean, it's making every little bit of that mythology make sense in some in some way. Like, how, why would he start wearing glasses? Why would he pick a costume that's, you know, all those primary colors and a cape and you know a, a ridiculous looking costume by all standards? Right. You know, there's there's a reason for every single thing, and that's what I loved about it. Yeah, and I think that with Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, I feel like they really did bring a lot of humanity to the story. I mean, this was Clark finding out that he's an alien, but really at no point in the story does is Clark an alien. Like, Clark is the most human. He's, like, you know... He's, he's a, a Midwest boy. He's a little, you know, yeah, Kansas boy. And I, it really was, like, a down-to-earth story, and I thought it was very, very well done. Yeah, and I like the fact that they didn't show him, like, as a baby in the rocket, that they just skipped, like, he's, like maybe thir- 12 or 13 or so. Well, I guess, up. and that was the one thing I didn't I didn't understand, because he's in high school, and I think that it kind of jumped. Um, okay, so maybe he's a little older than... So he's probably 13, 15, maybe, 16. Well, he can't drive, so I'm just like That's 14. True. Like, he's a freshman. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, which is a little different to the cover. He's drawn a little bit younger on the cover, but still, it was... It was a really good book. Like, you know, this, for what uh, Jeff Johns did for Green Lantern with uh, Green Lantern Secret Origin, um, I'm really glad we're getting a Superman, a, a definitive Superman story. Yeah. Um, one thing that we were going to talk about was Giant Size Wolverine Old Man Logan, but you know what? I think we're going to wait because you didn't have a chance to pick this up, right? No, I, I didn't. And, and this has been such a good story that I think we should wait. I think we should wait and discuss this together. Okay. But it was good. I'll say that. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I just, yeah, it could, couldn't get my hands on it this week. Now, and I know I know you don't read Amazing Spider-Man anymore. Right. But I picked up uh, Amazing Spider-Man 606 uh, with Scott Kelly and uh, Mike McCone on art, and who I love ever since the Teen Titans. Right, right. Or not Scott Kelly. Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly was a writer. Um it was really good. I mean, a lot of this was just kind of a, like, Peter with a triangle of women around him, and it, which was great. And very, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, Spider-Man stuff in it, but um, his interaction with the Black Cat, who I don't have a whole lot of uh, background with, but I really like the interplay between the two of them, yeah. where it's, she's kind of like Catwoman in the sense that, you know, she's the burglar who kind of, Spider-Man doesn't go out of his way to really stop her. He just kind of uh, tries to keep her out of trouble, basically. But the interaction between the two of them, like, there's a definite, definite attraction. And I, I like that how that played out. And it's it was very Peter Parker. Peter Parker was written very humorously, which, um, other than Bendis, I don't think I've ever, like, laughed at, at Spider-Man dialogue before, you know, uh, outside of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really refreshing. It was, it was really good, you know, despite 
the re- rebooting and resetting. I I haven't been really picking it up, but it was kind of in my box by accident. So I just said, well, I'll, I'll take a look at it. So um, and it was the beginning of a new arc. So I picked it up and and it was really fun. I had a really good time reading it. Nice. Um, the last book I wanted to talk about was uh, Spider Woman number one. Um, this is the book by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev that's also a motion comic. Uh, I have not seen the motion comic, so I can't really compare this to the motion comic. I know this motion comic is doing very well. It was like number two on iTunes. Um, so the story was something I wasn't really prepared for, but basically it's Agent Brand from S.W.O.R.D. recruits Jessica to become a member of S.W.O.R.D. And sends Jessica... Basically, she tells Jessica, there are all these aliens on Earth. Pretty much none of them are wanted here. I'm giving you, you know, this get-out-of-jail-free card, blah, 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 to basically just go around and gather up these aliens. She talks about killing them, doing something with them. And Jessica's kind of reeling from the whole secret evasion. Everyone hates her because... She was the face of this evasion. She was the actual scroll queen, which was very interesting. Um, the one thing about this book is that this book is gorgeous. Um, I've been a, a fan of Alex Malie for a while, and he does the pencils, he's inking, and he's coloring this book, and it is just phenomenal, just amazing art. So that alone was definitely worth it, and. I was a little taken aback by the plot just because it seems a little weird because it's kind of almost a science fiction element to it, but I think Bendis will, you know, ground it in kind of crime or noir. Uh, The issue ends with her being um, assaulted by someone who claims to be Spider-Man, and she ends up taking him down, and we see it's a Spider-Man scroll. So I don't know how that's going to play out. And I think that that's... I kind of like that. I know that some people are probably sick of scrolls or whatever, but I feel like with as big as Secret Evasion was, and especially Jessica's role in it, I think that there needs to be, like, you know, some kind of fallout from it. it we can't just say the scrolls are absolutely gone, because that kind of takes away from the the whole depth of the, the story. So I thought right. it was great. Okay. Well, yeah, I think that's going to be another one I have to go back to the store and pick up, because I, I missed out on that one, too. Yeah, it was good. So, okay. Well, uh, something we want to talk about is uh, soon there will be a new lineup for the uh, Justice League of America. The the much maligned Justice League of America, who probably, since Rags Morales uh, tried to restart the team, just hasn't really found its footing. Yeah. I'd say um, it, it, the the stories. Some of them I I have been okay with. The other ones that they've been kind of sleepers. But um, the book has always kind of seemed to be plagued by having to be drug into other events or uh, dealing with stories that didn't really grab people's attention. Um, a lot of uh, Morales stories d- dealt with kind of silver agey type of uh, storylines, and uh, I don't think that sat well with a lot of people. And then uh, there was a lot of uh, interaction with a lot of the side events and things like that during uh, Dwayne McDuffie's run. Mm-hmm. So um, you have a, a, a list of the new roster, and we want to talk about uh, what we like and what we don't like about it. Right. So it's uh, James Robinson, Mark Bagley, 
that right there is gonna make me want to buy it. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna read you a character. We're gonna say should they be on the team, and why or why not? Okay. Well, I'm first. I'm gonna start off excited about James Robinson. Not so excited about Begley. What? What's wrong I, with you? He's he's okay, but at the same time, like his art doesn't blow me away. Like I on Ultimate Spider Man, I way prefer Stuart Immonen. I think oh. Mark Bagley is perfect for a book like the Justice League because very he has very very classic superhero art, and he's quick. True, <laughs> that's that's true. That can be said for him. So okay, so let's go. Then all right, first person, not actually a person, Congorilla. No idea who this is. My first exposure to him was through the uh, Cry for Justice miniseries. That's only two issues in. So okay. far, and I, me, me neither. I've read a lot of DC books, and I just have no idea who this guy is. All right, so I'm gonna say he's a wild card because I don't know who he is, so I can't really make a decision. Yeah, I'm gonna say not excited because I don't like talking monkeys. Fair enough. Um, second person, I think we can both agree on should be on the team. Donna Troy. Very excited about this, um, and we're gonna get into this more as the roster goes through. But I am. 100% behind uh, graduating the Titans up into into their mentor positions. And Diana, for whatever reason, you know, she's in the Justice League a lot. There's something about Diana that uh, people people love or they just kind of feel meh about her. Mm-hmm. And so let's try something new. Let's get Donna Troy in there, uh, get her into more of a leadership role. I, th- I think she has earned it as a character. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with her. Yeah, and I think, people still really like her too. Yeah, you know, I think that Donna Troy is brought back for a reason, and she was never. I mean, we haven't really seen her since she came back. They were talked about like maybe they're going to be the new challengers. They said that she was going to be the new Willis girl in the Crisis. Uh, oh, Harbinger. Yeah, that she might be the new Harbinger, but they DC kind of said she's going to have a big role, and that hasn't really happened. And I think. Her being on the Justice League makes perfect sense at this point. Yeah. Okay, number three, Monel. Very excited. Yeah, uh, I, I'm kind of iffy on this one. I don't know. Um. Well, first of all, I love the costume redesign they're giving him. I do like that. I will say because that because I have hated his costume. It <laughs> looks so so damn goofy, and the new one it's more like a, a reverse Superman costume. Like it's. Mm-hmm. Very similar, but it's the the colors are both reverse. And then the emblem, instead of being big and on his chest, is kind of a, a lapel pin almost. But um, I I like it. I think it's going to be an interesting role for him to be brought into. Uh, you know, he's filling that Superman role, but I I've never really seen him interact with much of the DC uh, universe besides the Legion or the Superman books. Right. So I'm interested to see how he fits in with that. That's a good point. I think that. The thing that's going to be really cool about him being on the team is how he's going to relate to the other characters. Because he's only been in Metropolis, so he hangs out with the Guardian, Steel, the Legion, Supergirl. I mean, how is he going to react with Donald Troy and some of the other people? Mm-hmm. So that should be cool. Um, number... Don't, don't even know what number we're on anymore. But uh, next, again, I'm pretty sure we can both agree, Dick Grayson. Very excited. Dick Grayson's always had kind of a, uh, if, if he's associated with the Justice League, it's always been in a very reserved position. Yeah. 
and uh, this is just uh, continuing his step up into the uh, the full time Batman role. Like, of course, like if if there's Justice League, they're going to want Batman on it, and he's Batman now. And I like that they're not shying away from that at all. It's yes. like, don't, well, well, we won't put Batman on there because you know it's tied up and all that Dick Grayson stuff. No, Dick Grayson is Batman, and and have him on the team. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I think he, I think he would do it. I think that even DC has shown that. I was reading Infinite Crisis, and they were talking. Bruce was talking to Dick, and there's that one really, really good conversation where he's talking to Dick about how everyone trusts him and how he, you know, doesn't neglect the relationships that Bruce does. And it just makes perfect sense. Like Dick, Dick Grayson really is kind of the center, like the linchpin of the DC universe. He is, and uh, you, you touched on kind of what I was going to just say, but he's been in a leadership position with the team since he was a teenager. So he's actually, and he has really good field experience as a leader. He's he's a great natural born leader. Uh, he works a lot well with a lot better with groups than the previous Batman did. So I think he, it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next is Doctor Light. Um. This. Uh, for me, it could go either way. Uh, I don't. I don't know much about her other than like what I read in the original Crisis on Infinite Earths and then uh, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. And I guess it's okay. It's just one of those characters that we'll see when she's brought in. You know what kind of role they put her into, and if they write her well, it could very well be interesting, and I could grow to like her, or otherwise, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah, I feel like I'm the same way. I I only know her from the the same two um, places that you talked about, and it, I just wonder why she's on the team. But I mean, obviously James Robinson put her on the team for a reason. So if she has a purpose, then it, it should work out. But my first instinct would be like, no. Yeah, she's not someone like that would pop out at me. But at the same time, it's like you know. A lot of creators like to put their little like favorite side characters in a book as well, along with the heavy hitters. True. Okay, next up, uh, Oliver Queen. Always, always have Oliver Queen on a Justice League. I'm I, absolutely okay with this. I I would have to say no on this one. Really? I think from what from what we've talked about and what kind of we'll kind of get into is that this is kind of a new Justice League. And I think maybe Oliver's dynamic is going to be like he's like the one old school representative, and maybe that could be cool. But I think that he, I'm not sure if he really has a place in this team. I think he's going to uh, be more of the former, where he's going to be kind of the, uh, the elder statesman in this. And I, I don't know if his like field involvement is going to be 100% all the time, but I think he's definitely going to be a good person to bounce ideas off of. And he's not. He's always much more uh, loose with the situation than some of the other more uh, stoic characters. So I think he's uh, going to be good for the younger characters to bounce off of. Yeah. All right. Um, Ray Palmer. Excited. Me too. I would just I, I just went back and speaking of Oliver Queen too. I just uh, went back and reread Identity Crisis, and so and that was a book that made me love Ray Palmer, and so I. I don't think we've gotten a whole lot of him since then. Like he showed up in at the end of Countdown, and that you know that that never went anywhere. So, <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, you know, I'm excited for some good Ray Palmer stories. And yeah. I, 
you know, I, I think Ray Palmer, since he has had a legacy character come into his spot since he's been gone, and I also think that the same thing with Oliver Queen, where he's had a legacy character come in being his son, and uh, also, he, you know, he's watched a lot of the younger generation grow up because they were all friends with Roy, that both of these two characters have respect for that first generation of Titans that kind of came up and, and are adults now. Yeah, it's funny that I don't... Like, uh, I'm not a big fan of Ollie being on the team, but I think Ray should be on the team. Maybe it's because I don't have a lot of exposure to Ray, and I kind of like what I've seen, and I want to see some more. But other than that, I don't know. I feel like with the things going on in his life and how he's been reacting to things, I just kind of feel like, and maybe this is just because it's been working, like I'm trying to connect with the character, I just feel like it's important for him to be on the team. For, it's important for him to have, like, a support structure or for him to, you know... These people around, he's going to be on suicide watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, I mean, not to be that dramatic, but I think that... I think it's something that his character needs right now. Yeah, well, I definitely think he needs some exposure. So... I'm I'm happy it's gonna be here. I think this is a good fit for him. He's a you know he's an old school leaguer, and so I like having him on the team. Yeah. Um, Starfire. Absolutely. Every every book have put Starfire in it. <laughs> I think Starfire I, I, is I, a definite no for me. Really, I you know she's she's gorgeous, fine. It's she's always been uh, Miss Bubbles, but right. at the same time, uh, you put her. Put any any team that Dick Grayson is on, put Starfire on it because the sexual tension there is just gonna be awesome. Like there's there's always been a dynamic between the two of them, and it's not it's way different than the dynamic that he has with Barbara. Uh-huh. Um, this one like there's a lot of there's a lot of history and a lot of chemistry between the two of them, and they both know that they don't belong together anymore, but there's still like that kind of that that chemistry, that spark between them. And so it's always kind of fun to see them dance around that anymore. So they, they did a really good job of playing that up in the Titans book. And I'm, I'm hoping it carries over into the justice league book. You know, my problem with Starfire is that I haven't really read a lot of the old Teen Titans stuff. And from, from what I've read of Starfire, it seems like she's never really come into her own. It's always, she's always like a, a secondary character. She's always like, Starfire from the Titans, or she's always Dick Grayson's somewhat girlfriend, but I would never look at Starfire as Starfire. I, I honestly don't think that she has the chops to be on the team. See, I think, oddly enough, I think she kind of came into her own in Countdown. Uh, between her and Animal Man and Adam Strange, I thought that was a really interesting part of that book. And yeah. so I thought that she uh, she separated herself from from the, the Titans aspect quite a bit and was just, you know, she's a cosmic character. Right. So and she's, and, and, I mean, she's very powerful. Yeah, she's a heavy hitter. So okay. I, I, I think it'd be good to have her on the team. We'll have to wait and see. Cyborg. Yep, I'm gonna all the old Titans. I'm I'm putting up there. Uh, Cyborg. I think Cyborg actually works best because we already have a lot of heavy hitters with Monel, uh, with Starfire. I I think Cyborg would actually work best as being like a background, like uh, an operations type of character. Mm, I totally agree. Or, or like a you know a general or a, a, a commander or something like that, but um, I don't think he needs to be in the field because to basically, when you put Cyborg in the field, what he becomes is fodder for the villain to destroy to show that the villain's really badass. True. Because you can always rebuild Cyborg, and he, it always happens to him. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that this is kind of a good move because I think I kind of have a different stance on Cyborg versus Starfire. I think Cyborg is a character that needs or deserves to be elevated. And it's never really happened. I feel like maybe it's happened to Starfire and it's happened to the rest of the Titans. But I feel like he's never really got a chance to be anything other than just a Titan, just a team Titan. So I'm excited yeah, about him. He's always been the guy like who kept the uh, who kept the light on in the Titans Tower right. like, for for newer generations to come in and he'd watch over him. But you know he it'd be good for him to graduate. Um, Guardian. Mm, I no. I don't. I don't see any reason for him to be on the team with as much muscle as. And really, that's what Guardian is. Is he's muscle, but yeah. you have so much already that why why would you need him? You know, I'm I I feel the same way. I'm not a big fan of him being on the team. I think the big thing that annoys me about him being on the team is that it it seems that they're hinting that he's going to be the leader, and I don't think that makes a lot of sense. I think Dick should be leading this team. Or Ollie or something, but for what it seems like, it seems like it's going to be Guardians team. Yeah, I'm, I I don't like that move, but we'll, I mean we'll see. It, yeah. I could it could be written well, and I could very well enjoy it, but right now it seems like an odd choice. Yeah, it does seem odd. Okay, and last one, Hal Jordan. Um, it it might work well. I mean, you need a Green Lantern on the Justice League. Yeah. And it, there's always that chemistry between Ollie and Hal, so that would be a lot of fun to see that being played off of more. Um, it seems like Kyle would be a good fit in this team with all the younger characters, especially with uh, Donna on the team. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you're not there. DC's not bringing Kyle back to Earth anytime soon because he's kind of kicking ass in the uh, GLC book. Mm-hmm. So yeah, put Hal on the team and, and have him and him and uh, Ollie be kind of the elder statesman. Yeah, I would have to say I'm a definite no on this one. Um, for the reasons that you said, it makes perfect sense as to why Kyle's not on the team, but if there should be a, G- a Green Lantern on this team, it should be Kyle, hands down, or John, or Guy. I think that Hal, just Hal's just demeanor and his his attitude, his personality just seems like it would not mesh well at all with this team. Um I was actually surprised it's not John because Hal's kind of taken up a lot of the spotlight in the regular Green Lantern book, and Guy and Kyle are in the the core book. So you know, where where is John going to be showcased? That I thought I thought was really interesting that they didn't pick him for this book. Yeah, I thought it was. I think Kyle would make the most sense, but I honestly thought it would either be John or Guy, just because Green Lantern is definitely Hal's book. Uh, the core book is for the most part, Kyle's book. I mean, it's kind of Guy and Kyle, but, I mean, it's Kyle's book. So it kind of leaves John and, and Guy out there. Kind of like you said, that this is leaving Hal and Ollie, and I just don't think that they're going... Like, I think Black Canary would have worked really well with this team. I think her being the, the last gen and her leading this team would have been, like, a really good dynamic. But Hal just seems kind of off. But, you know... It- yeah, and I don't know if they're going to play up the whole like her failing as a as a leader with the last incarnation of the Justice League because it kind of it, it kind of crumbled under her her leadership. Right. So I you know I don't know if that's why they don't have her on the team or what, but but yeah, we'll see. Uh, either way, I'm looking forward to the book. I think uh, you know hopefully they can elevate this book back to uh, 
a, a first a top tier book for DC because that's really what it needs to be. Yeah, for sure. But this, I mean, I think it's a definitely it's a step in the right direction. Something new, something fresh. I think what most people are talking about, which is good, is that the big three aren't on this team, but a version of the big three are, and I think that's probably the most exciting part is the yeah. the Monel Dick Donna. Well, and again, this is all coming back to what DC is, is its legacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's it's a passing of the torch, and I think JLA needs a, a reboot. It needs to happen. That's cool. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. So, so we'll see. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Uh, we thank you for listening. If you have any feedback for us, questions, comments, you can always um, email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are now part of the Quack Talk forums. Uh, Mr. Lewis Quack has been so gracious to let us share a forum with him. So you can head over to quacktalk.freeforums.com and uh, check out the forum there. And Or you can also go to fanboystrikeback.com and we have a link to the forums through there. And we are also on iTunes, Podcast Alley. We thank you for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. helps other people get exposed to this show. Um, it's just really fun for us to do this, so we really appreciate you guys listening. And I think we'll see you next week.